We start the show with NFL Films music. Uh, back in the uh, Spielman and Hooley radio days, we used to start the show with a little Stevie Ray Vaughan. One of his great hits is uh, If the House is Rockin' and uh, Spiel's Saturday night, tomorrow night in Ohio Stadium. The house is going to be rocking. It's a little different. Florida Atlantic, Miami of Ohio, then number 25 Michigan State with all the history and a night game and mm. the black uniforms and the national TV. Um we didn't talk about that on Wednesday, but I think that just heightens the task ahead of Sparty dealing with that whole gladiatorial atmosphere in Ohio Stadium. Well, the other thing, too, is another test for Ohio State. And <laughs> in, in being in that such a hyped situation, mm-hmm. can you control emotions? Nothing drains a football player if you let your emotions get too deep and too strong. And you have to keep those in control because that will physically drain you. And so... Uh, another test, uh, I think, for for Ryan Day and his team. And but this team has showed the utmost maturity in how they handle everything. And the thing about this team that really stands out is there's not a co- <clears throat> cocky guy on this team. There's two things that stand out more than anything else. Or I mean, obviously the play of quarterback and all that. But two things uh, that stand out that maybe aren't talked about. But they're they're very bright, in my opinion. Uh, first of all, the maturity of this team. Mm-hmm. You know, they just play, and they play with a mission and a, a, a fierce viciousness legally, and they get after you every single play. And the other thing that nobody's talked about a lot, and I think it should be mentioned, is how good this offensive line has performed so far. It's been the best offensive line in a long time. As a group, not not necessarily individuals, but as a group, they're playing as well as any offensive line as a group that I've seen in a long time. And I don't say that lightly. And a lot of experienced guys up there. You know, Jonah Jackson's a fifth-year guy, graduate transfer right. from Rutgers, uh, right tackle. Brandon Bowen, who sat out at Nebraska, they plug in another fifth-year guy, Josh Allaby. Uh, Thayer Mumford's been around a while. So they, Brady Taylor, they've got some very experienced guys. Wyatt Davis up front. They're an experienced group. They're a nasty group. They are. In the nasty, you mean good. Nasty in a good way. Now, when I say nasty about an offensive line, that is a compliment. Uh, The the cockiest guy so far that I've interviewed is Damon Arnett. If you're going to be... Play corner, like that's kind of part of it. You kind of got to be that way. So, uh, but I would say too, Justin Fields, extremely humble kid. Extremely humble kid. Yeah. Um, I thought in the beginning of the year it might be because he was nervous. Maybe not, you know, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. A little delicate situation here. I come in and I'm the new guy from Georgia and I don't want to say anything wrong. I, he's been up there enough now that it it's his humility. But back to this offensive line and this matchup with Michigan State. Now, I don't think Michigan State is a prayer win in this game. But at least this game will be um, a referendum on Ohio State's offense against a really good defense. You can't dispute that Michigan State's defense is really good. Yeah, good front seven, physical. So, they give up 55 yards per game rushing. You know all the weapons Ohio State has at its disposal. Let's uh, give you the title of offensive coordinator. Do you come out and say, no, 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 our offensive line is good enough, we're going to run it against you? Or do you come out and say, look at all of our wide receivers, and look at our tight ends, and look at our quarterback. So we're not even going to 
give you the satisfaction of I'm, stopping us on a first down run here. I'm going to call the game of what the defense is. And so if Michigan <laughs> State is going to make the decision that you're going to have to throw it to beat us, mm -hmm. then I have confidence enough, okay, if you're going to do like we go back to Sam Watkins' 18 catches in the Orange Bowl, if we're going to have guys wide open, I'm going to trust those guys in space to make plays. That's what I'm going to do. And you can sit nine, eight, ten guys in the box saying you're not going to run on it. That's fine because we're good enough. We'll pass it 50 times and still be just as effective. Mm -hmm. In today's day and age of college football, short passes, the ball gets out quick. Those are all just like running plays. Sure. I mean, that is a running game. So Michigan State's got to choose who they're going to stop and what they're going to stop. And that should be uh it's it's tough because of that's why Ohio State's so dangerous is because they can hurt you both ways equally uh with the run in the pass here's the other thing that's really what I was waiting to f see and I saw I didn't see it against Florida Atlantic I didn't see it against UC I didn't see it against a little bit against Indiana but when I saw Justin Fields get with his touchdown run mm -hmm. against Nebraska that's was so explosive. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's. It's like okay, it's it's almost like I'm toying with these other guys. I don't need to go full throttle. But when he was running the football on that touchdown yeah. run up the middle, you know which one I'm talking. Oh, about? I know which one you're talking I about. I mean, First are series, you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, man coverage and boom, he's done. I mean, he he had the zone read touchdown against Florida Atlantic, where I was like, whoa, he is fast. Yeah, but this but was this, this one, was different. This was this different one's to me. different because this is like the defensive heartbreaker. It's like, okay, we got this guy covered, and we got this guy covered, and we got this stopped, and we got That's this stopped. That's the Detroit Lions with and, Patrick Mahomes on yeah. fourth and nine. And then, oh, the middle of the field's wide open, and he, Daniel Jones, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks area, gets in the end zone against the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. And that's what I wonder is, like, you know, you have that in your arsenal. Do you use it against Michigan State? Because anytime you're using it, you're putting Justin Fields – in peril. This is a hard-hitting defense. Yeah, no, you don't I'm, want to get your quarterback I'm hurt. not putting – I don't care about putting a guy in peril. I'm caring about letting a guy play and make plays to win a football game. I don't coach with fear. I don't call a game with fear. Or I don't call a game worried about a guy getting hurt. I just can't do that. And I I, I think Ryan Day is uh, – I made those exact state statements or comments. Has he not? you got to play football. Yeah, you can't worry about getting hurt. Yeah. You, you just can't worry about protecting anybody. You worry about going out and demolishing people, and that's what they've done. The other thing about this team, and I know injuries aren't talking about, and maybe it's not noticed because it doesn't matter because the next guy up looks like the same guy that just left. They've been relatively healthy. They have been. So, uh, Jonathan Cooper is back on the defensive line because heaven knows their pass rush needed to get even better. <laughs> you, so, could you imagine being a coach preparing for this? I mean, I mean I, just I, wait, 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 wait. Who's who's two? Who's this guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. Oh, wait, where is this guy coming from? Yeah, it's you know, crazy. it's the same like preparing for Alabama. It's like they brought some all Big Ten guys back from previous years. Like I'm, you want to check under the helmet and go, wait a minute, do you have eligibility, really? I mean, I'm watching. I, I don't watch as much college football. Obviously, I watch, but I, I I look at Alabama and I look at Ohio State. Then there's everybody else. Not saying that Ohio well, State you couldn't. You don't put Clemson in that category, huh? I don't think the quarterback's playing at the level. He's that not he playing needs at that level that he did before. That he no. needs to play. For them to be in the t in the company of Alabama and Ohio State. Now, that's not to say obviously they can can't beat Ohio State or beat Alabama, but I'm just looking at pure talent. Mm -hmm. There's two, there's two. Then there's everybody else. Boy, that'd be a game, wouldn't it? Wow, the playoffs going to be spectacular. Oh, I know it's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, 
uh, Oklahoma, See how LSU does it, Alabama. Right? I mean, I don't. I guess maybe I should throw LSU in there. Yeah, yeah. They have athletes. There's some story I mean, they always boy. have athletes. Joe Burrow against Ohio State. Justin Fields against Georgia. Jalen Hurts against Alabama. Oh my gosh! You talk about storylines, man. Beautiful. Isn't there are it? all kinds of storylines with uh, what looks to be uh, a pretty inevitable college football playoff. Throw a blanket over about six teams in there. All right, they're wearing all black on Saturday night. It's obligatory that we refer to that. Uh, I hate it. I think Ohio State's uniform is iconic. I'd never wear an alternate uniform if I was Ohio State, but you have to do it in this era with what kids love, well, and you probably are fine with it. I am, because it's uh, you gotta you gotta make more money. Said, I wasn't said with much conviction there. You got you got to make more money. Yes, you got to You're gonna <laughs> you got to pay money. name, image, and likeness, like okay. we talked about on <clears throat> Wednesday. Boom! I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay, so let's go back in. We said we promised Wednesday we'd go into some of the doomsday scenarios. I am for this. I am for players being compensated for their Didn't name used and to likeness. be. I did not used to be spoiled, pampered to, athletes, which I is one of your be, favorite terms. No, I used to be like, look, you're getting a free education. A spiritual principle is delayed gratification. You reap what you sow. You don't reap it when you sow it. You put in the work. You get your degree later. You parlay the degree into something else. Mm -hmm. But the fact that college athletic programs generate tens of millions of dollars and are officially nonprofit enterprises is something I can no longer uh, turn away from. Uh Every time it seems I go to Ohio State, there's a new $10 million athletic facility. There's a new person in administration I've never seen before. There's all kinds of uh, evidence that they're ha they have a lot of money to spend, and I think they actually go looking for ways to spend it so their bottom line can be zero. And this is true of almost every big athletic program. It's just Ohio State's the one I cover, so I tend to give you Ohio State examples. Sure. I don't mean it to be a criticism of Ohio State. But for that reason, a lot of people are getting rich and are highly compensated administrators, coaches. Which I don't have a problem with. But I don't have a problem with it either. I'm a capitalist. But the fact the players aren't and the fact that the whole thing rests on the players, I can no longer say, well, the education is enough. Some people are getting paid, and the fact that the athletes aren't getting paid, I can't, I can't deal with that anymore. And I also can't deal with it anymore because when I, I, I realized that a long time ago that the athletes should get paid. But then I was like, well, how are you going to administrate this? This is mm -hmm. going to be the Wild West. This is going to be crazy. Like, let's say Justin Fields is a recruit, and he wants, he's got it down to Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama. And uh, a car dealer in Columbus says, well, Justin, we'll give you $100,000 to come to Ohio State. And a car dealer in Alabama says, we'll give you $150,000. And a car dealer in Clemson says, we'll give you $200,000. Where does it end? How do you manage it? You know what? It's complex. It's going to have to be figured out on the fly. I don't know how you manage it. I just know that not my problem. And the fact that the players aren't getting paid right now is a wrong that needs to be corrected. They need to be compensated. And so I'm for name, image, and likeness compensation. And the people who are getting paid big salaries to be administrators, it's your job to figure it out. Well, then there's, you know, taxes and all that stuff that have to come into play too, right? I yeah. think it's a huge can of worms. I think it's going to change yeah. college athletics. I think there is the potential for it to change college athletics in a way that we now look at college athletes like professional athletes. And because we, it becomes... Um, overwhelmingly commercialized 
people will be turned off to it. I mean, look, Chris, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State are playing this week, and there are single-game tickets on sale to the public. Okay, why are there single-game tickets on sale to the public? Because the old, the old demand is not there. Why is the demand not there? Prices of tickets, corporate whatever involvement, people are... People would rather sit home and watch the game than go to the game. That didn't used to be the case. Good for me, bad for them. Yeah, I'm just saying, name, image, and likeness, I'm for it. I'm saying it'll radically change college athletics, and we might be looking at at an era where big stadiums at Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are half full or three-quarters full because people are turned off by the commercialization of it or are priced out of it. Well, I look, I, I... I know I'm oversimplifying it. My suggestion was that it can be a win-win situation. Win-win-win. The corporation can win, Mm -hmm. the player can win, and the university can win. Now, there has to be cooperation in some type of collective bargaining agreement. And and I don't know if it's through a union or, or an association of players or whatever it may be. But whatever amount of money a player makes, say, from a car dealership, Say it's a hundred thousand, like you said. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the car dealership's going to benefit for having a player come to their store and sign autographs or do. Hey, while I'm on campus, I'm driving a new Audi or new Mazda from Mark Lobb or mm-hmm. whatever the case Fires may. Mazda double yeah. Subaru. Yeah, there you go. And the university, I, I I would propose, and I don't know if you can do this. And again. There's got to be smart people that can figure this out. But I would propose a 50-50 split between the player and the university. I agree with you, but how are you going to make the player give that up? It's his money. He don't want to give it to the university. Or if he comes from a well, dirt-poor background, he's like, well, no, I need that money for mom well, and dad. Here, here's, that's the thing. I, I was going to get to that point, and that's a great question because I, 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 I don't know if there's a study out there, but what percentage of college football players that are playing – uh, come from uh, an impoverished background. I would say it's a fairly significant percentage. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I do think you can look at it as from a player's need, family's need, and if the player wants to help his family, okay, then you can cut a deal with a percentage of what the amount of player keeps or what the university keeps. They're just. I would like to see that it can be a win-win for everybody where the university is still able to generate the revenue that it needs to generate to operate what it needs to operate, that the player will be compensated for his name, image, and likeness. And the other thing is, say it's it's a player that doesn't have a financial need or you know where he doesn't he can't help his family or whatever the case may be, he doesn't need to help his family. Then there's got to be some type of uh, an account that that player then at the end of his time in Ohio State can say, okay, here's your money that you've accrued over the years while you were playing at Ohio State. It's yours to have, or if you want to put it back into the university or put it back into some type of scholarship fund, and like with, the, say, the Bosa boys, right? They got millions of dollars mm-hmm. to sign and play. And if they made maybe, say, I don't know, 300000 while they were at Ohio State, if they want to invest that 300000 that they have already accumulated over the years back into Ohio State, then there's got to be a program to do it like that. I do think there's a way to do something like that, and it's got to be based off of need. Like, I don't know, let's say Player X is a quarterback at, at whatever, Idaho State. Okay. 
Okay, the potato guy at Idaho in State. Pocatello, Idaho. Wants to use Player X. Yeah. Right? And Player X uh, says, okay, well, here's the amount of money. I need it for my family. So, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep 10000 I'm going to give 40000 to my family. Boy, you are. And then I'm going to give 50000 back to Idaho State. So it's a 50-50 split. I'm more, I just think you're Pollyanna on that. I don't think the players are going to give that money back. I don't know what that means. I don't I know I think her. you're just pie-in-the-sky optimistic. I just don't think guys are going to give that money back. I, I, I really don't. I, well, I, I look at all the different aspects of this. Are I think, they going yeah. to teach these kids how to manage their money? Are we going to have problems with they kids do. now? Kids now can buy drugs because they have the money. I mean, there's I mean, all what, there's what, what, all what, kinds of scenarios and all kinds of levels. How about the jealousy in the building? I'm getting this. You're not getting that. I'm a better player than you are. You've got this endorsement. I got that endorsement. Here's another scenario. Tate Martell's at Ohio State. Tate Martell enters the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. He's got a host of schools. Now he's back on the open market. Uh, Manny's Bail Bonds in Miami, Florida says to Manny Diaz, uh, we'll give you hundred grand." To tell Tate Martell if he comes here, we'll give him a hundred grand. So okay, Manny's Chico's bail bonds, hundred thousand dollars for Tate Martell. Chico's bail bonds pays a hundred thousand dollars because they think Tate Martell's coming to Miami to be the starting quarterback of the Miami yeah. Hurricanes. When Tate Martell's a backup wide receiver, all of a sudden Chico's bail bonds says, "Hey, I'm not getting my money. I want my money back." Right. So the, I'm just trying to say, this is a whack-a-mole. You fix this problem, you got this problem. You fix that problem, you got How's this problem. How is that different from any other scenario? <clears throat> Again, I don't care. Figure it out. Gene Smith, John Swafford, athletic directors around the country, from, figure it out. From anybody doing an endorsement. I mean, when I do an endorsement, I, I'm certainly, I sign on that. I don't want to misrepresent the company. True. I don't but if you be- don't re- deliver results or if you don't live up to your agreement, they cancel it. Right. Okay, but what's wrong with doing that with the college well, guys? Well, then Tate Martell's at Miami. He's like, "Hey, what do you mean I'm not getting my hundred grand? Because you haven't lived up to the deal. You know that going in. All right, then I'm going to that's UNLV. That's Manny, that's Manny's bail bonds fault. Then go to UNLV. You still have to sit out a year. But I'm just saying, this opens. I don't think that's th- a big this. Deal. This has been forestalled for many years by people saying, "Well, it can't be managed, so we can't do it." I'm past the point of it can't be managed. Let me ask you a question. When ADs are making $2 million a year, figure it out. Earn your money. Let me ask you one question on that. Is there, there, there's already inequality. Would you not agree? Absolutely. There's so when, when Ohio State brings in New Mexico State, mm-hmm. and New Mexico State can't afford to feed their players, and Ohio State sends them home with box lunches. Yeah. Pays them a million bucks. Pays them a million bucks. And yeah. Says thanks for coming. Yeah. Right. So there's inequality. That's why I when said Ohio when they State play- has an omelet bar and Toledo's serving bagels. I said when Ohio State played Florida Atlantic, uh, I really, I really hope the Florida Atlantic women's soccer team appreciates what their football team is yeah. doing for them today. Yeah, that's. So, <laughs> that's I mean, now we're just bringing it to light. There's <coughs> yeah. always going to be inequality. And there Gene, always has and Gene been Smith acknowledges that he's like, "There's inequality now." He says, and I don't know that I necessarily think that everyone in his position agrees that they don't want a greater competitive advantage. Chris, you and I grew up in an era where college football teams were on TV twice a year. Mm -hmm. Then some school in the South said, hey, this is bogus. We got people that want to put us on TV all the time. We're going to withdraw from your little association over here, and we're going to be on TV all the time. And so now everybody's on TV all the time. College Football Association. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Toledos and the Idaho states and that to go, 
hey, look, man, like, you guys are in a whole nother realm. Like, you can get your tight end sponsored. Somebody's willing to pay Luke Farrell. We had a hard time getting our quarterback paid. And so there could be, like, this gap between 1A and 1AA and this gap between whatever it is, football subdivision and bowl championship subdivision. I think you could have about 30 programs that are just but here's the <laughs> flat out capitalists. Though. Here's the and, thing. And it could be their their own little deal. But they're not but the university isn't paying them directly. It's an outside entity paying them. How's I understand it, Bill? It's not the university paying them. But directly. you said you want the university to administrate it, keep half for the kid later on. Maybe the kid gives half of it back. They're not paying him. Okay, How they, so they're handing the money from they're not they're going the, out they're going out they're going to have schools are going to have to set up a network you know how at Ohio State every coach gets a car mm-hmm. and there's a network of car dealers in the state of Ohio I don't know if it's still in the program but it used to be in the program where if you gave a car to Ohio State so the coach volleyball whatever every assistant coach every coach at any kind has a car and you were in the car dealer program and you got your name in the program they're going to have to set up a network of sponsors who will sponsor football players. And I always hear people say, well, oh, there's only like three or four players at every school to get sponsored. Come on, man. How many guys, how many players at Ohio State would have marketability if they could go out and make an appearance and make money off their name and likeness? Right now, I would say three. You're telling me nobody go out to uh, Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet to meet Jeffrey Akuda, Chase Young, Chris Olave, uh, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague, Robert Landers? I'd say three that would demand money. That would, uh, I, as a Boy, comp- I think you're naive. I, as a company, would pay. Like, if I wanted to use somebody's name, image, and likeness, there's three guys on this team right now. B.B. Landers comes to the press conference with a cowboy hat on. In the new era of college football, Rod's Western Palace is salivating over getting B.B. Landers out there on uh, I-71. Yeah, well, I, <clears throat> look, I just think it's it's the way it's going to go. It look, is. And by I'm, the way, the three players, it. I think, are, are Fields, Chase Young, and J.K. Dobbins. Those are the three most marketable players on this team right now. But they're not the only three. Three that I would pay big money to. I might give a guy, hey, come out for 1500 bucks. That's pretty good money. I'd go out for, for a that. college guy, fifteen hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah, Whew. that's tremendous. So uh, again, I'm for it, totally for it. Figure it out. Uh, I don't. It's think coming. The so they better figure the it out. NCAA was never going to do this until their hand was forced. They've been making money off the backs of athletes and ex-athletes for years. The Ed O'Bannon case is the reason why you don't have the name, image, and likeness of players in your NCAA football anymore mm-hmm. on PlayStation because the players are like, hey, that's bogus. Like, we want the money for that. Yeah. So it's been coming. The NCAA has been trying to hold it back, but it's a tidal wave that's going to crash over the Once you start wall, legislating it's happen. in passing, it's over. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's bound to happen. All right, so Bengals and Cardinals on Sunday. You have Kyler Murray and uh, Andy Dalton. The Bengals are over the season. Uh, there are two really good quarterbacks, at least two, in this NFL draft, Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavaloa. Uh, sorry, Alabama fans. Yes, I do think Tua's leaving early. Um, I know it's not the mindset of the players in the building, but would it be best for the Bengals long-term if the Bengals um, continue to lose? I, Zach I don't, Taylor's a first-year coach. Well, Maybe he doesn't thing. want to have I, that I, in his culture. I just don't think that Andy Dalton is the whole problem. 
right. nor is he the whole solution. Well, as you I said many that. times, he's good enough to keep both teams in the game. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Will but, McDonough quote from years ago. <laughs> he's good enough to win it for both guys. Good enough to win it for both teams. Um, look, uh, I think Andy Dalton is a starting quarterback in this league. And he's not a guy that's going to elevate everybody around him. If you give him the right pieces, I think he could be very successful. I never tank for anybody. I think what the Dolphins have done is ridiculous. They say they're not tanking, but they give away all their good players. They tanked. Browns did it too. Yeah. And, well, I don't know if the Browns knowingly did it. They engaged in a prolonged subliminal tanking. Yeah, but uh, I just – don't. They did it at the end. Sashi Brown got the crowbar out and said, all right, let's tear out that last piece of drywall. Yeah. <laughs> all down to the bear studs. I don't know. I, I think Andy Dalton has some, some years left. I really do. I just think he needs better pieces around him. And to be fair, he's playing with a mis, mismatched or mis, mishmash of offensive linemen. His best player, one of the best receivers in the NFL, I, that's top 10 guy, would be A.J. Green. So they uh, trade A.J. Green. If, they, if A.J. Green can play on Sunday and A.J. Green comes back and has an A.J. Green-type game, would you trade A.J. Green? No. I don't, I'm not trading away good players. Okay. Not yet. And I just think they're, you know, their issues are, are much deeper than a quarterback. If they get the offensive line fixed, they're a reasonable NFL team, although yes, their defense absolutely. is not that great. Well, no, they're not. And they you know, they do have investments. Drake Kirkpatrick's first-round pick, right? Yeah, the thing about the NFL is you can remake William yourself. Jackson's first-round pick. William Jackson I like. Mm. You can remake yourself from the middle yeah. and get good. Now, I'm not sure the Bengals with the free agency hesitance can, but you, it's possible to remake yourself from the middle. In the NBA, you can't remake yourself from the middle. There's just no way. Yeah. You either got to be terrible or you got to be really good or you got to be in a major market. So I think they can do that. I, I really do. I just think they're playing, they're undermanned right now. And it's just the way it is. The Washington Redskins, as we put it out on Wednesday, mm-hmm. are undermanned right now. And so it, it, I don't want to make a judgment on Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton can make some plays. Now, Andy Dalton didn't drop the touchdown pass That's right. in, in, against the Steelers. Tyler Eifert did. So this, they're just a team that doesn't have room for error. You have to be patient. You hired Zach Taylor to do a job. You got to let him do the job, but you got to let him do the job with some tools to do the job. And right now, all their tools are not available to do the best job that they can. Well, Zach Taylor, to uh, his good fortune, is uh, going to be able to do the job because Mike Brown doesn't pay people not to coach. He's not going to get the Steve Wilkes treatment or the Jim Tom. No, he's going to give all his, give him every opportunity. Uh, Freddie Kitchens in his first year with the Cleveland Browns, things looking up for them. They beat the Ravens. And amazing, though, real quick, how things <clears throat> change from one week, week from week to week, week to week. Fire in a week. Well, yeah. That's the way to call a game. Yeah, the guy's exactly. a great play caller. He is. Now we're going to see he's in the Monday night spotlight against uh, the San Francisco 49ers, who Spiels had a few weeks ago in a dominant performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. He was impressed with San Francisco. Freddie Kitchens, what do you think of the San Francisco 49ers? San Francisco's uh, probably got the best front that we faced. Yep. Um, they're very deep yep. on the line, on the defensive line. Uh, offensively, they're very versatile. They create a lot of uh, misdirections and and mismatches uh in space which allow them to be successful with run after catch and and getting open and stuff like that um kyle does a great job there from the standpoint of offensively and defensively they're playing hard and and their front is is you know probably the best front we've faced this year san francisco is the perfect example of the last segment when you talked about you can build from the middle up Mm -hmm. 
Now, San Francisco was down last year, but they were out six starters. They were down to their third quarterback and fourth running back. So they're not going to beat anybody. No. They were competitive. I said all along that I think Kyle Shanahan, I think I've said this to you many times, is the best play caller in football. He can create matchups better than any offensive coach that I've been covering. I really believe that. Their offensive line, they lost Joe Staley, who was uh, he's out six left tackle, but they just fill in. They run the ball. They're physical. If Garoppolo doesn't make stupid mistakes, they're highly effective. Their defense is as good a defense as I've seen this year. And because of they had a couple of additions, they're healthy in the secondary. Although I think Akilah Witherspoon got hurt. There's other starting quarter opposite of Richard Sherman. You can absorb some of these injuries. But Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, all those guys are good, solid players. Then they brought in a kid from Tampa named Quan Alexander who's played at a high level for them, a, a linebacker, along to go with an all-rookie player by the name of Fred Warner. So they're solid all the way around. They're well coached, and and they're the one of the what six undefeated or four undefeated teams left in the NFL, something like that. Three now, right? Yes. Yeah, so Chiefs, Patriots, Patriots Niners. Trying to think. Maybe I thought Who there else was... might be left. I thought there were only three. There's six teams that haven't won, and yeah. you have two of them. On Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Bengals and Cardinals. Hey. But at least you're home Sunday night. That's, that's how I judge games. That's right. We want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, servicing all of Central Ohio with awesome Lennox high-efficiency products. They'll give you up to hundreds off your new furnace or your replacement furnace. Heating and cooling, they've got it nailed. Uh, get a furnace check now for fall. It's hot. You think, ah, I don't need the furnace yet, Bruce. Yeah, but when you turn it on and if it would not work, maybe you need your filter replaced or whatever, then you're going to be in a long line of people because West Jeff Plumbing and Heating services all of Central Ohio, and they're highly in demand, but they'll show up on time every time. And West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating can be reached at 614-879-9606, or you can reach them on the web at westjeffplumbingandheating.com. All right, we always end the podcast with a uh, faith aspect, Mr. Spielman. I always uh, offer you the opportunity to share with people what you're reading, what you're studying, uh, what's been meaningful to you. So the uh, floor is yours. This is uh, so true, and I remind my kids and those that I'm responsible for this every day, or try to every day, the things we think about, focus on, and surround ourselves with will shape us and who we become. And I thought about that in myself. Uh, anytime I, I talk about this, I always try to share my experience with people that trust to, uh, trust us to listen to us so they know that if they had a similar experience, they can relate to somebody. When I was a player, very open about how football ended up defining me mm-hmm. as a person through my actions. In a lot of things when I was a player, what kind of person I was, I did good things, but a lot of things I'm not proud of. I mean, my life was determined by football, my mood, um, how I responded to certain situations. It was the number one priority in my life. Then as maturity comes along, you change. And I try to tell my kids this, that, you know, if you're going to surround yourself with bad things and you start thinking about those bad things, eventually you become those bad things. And I know that there are are men out there, um, at least guys that I've talked to in the past that struggle with 
whether it's alcohol or whether it's pornography or whatever your struggle may be, don't let that define you. And you're strong enough to get away from that. But be aware. And we talked about this last week on one of the podcasts about um, one of the blessings that we have is that when we do screw up or we do sin or we do fall short or we make poor decisions, one of God's blessings is to be able to put awareness into our mind that I have to change that. So I'm going to encourage you that if you do struggle and are struggling with certain things in your life and if all you're thinking about, like if you struggle like I did, where I thought about was work and career, then that's eventually what I became and I didn't like who I was. And so I'm encouraging you that you can change too. Just change the way you think and the things that you think about and the things that you practice and the things that you surround yourselves. Then you too can make a change for better and that starts out by... First of all, understanding not uh, who you are, but whose you are. And when you can do that and understand that you're a a precious gift to God and that you can serve God and you serve a big God that, you know, when you put God into those thoughts and there's a there's a verse in um, Corinthians about hold each thought captive to Christ. So if you hold each thought captive before you make a decision, all right, is is Jesus in is, is he in or out on this one? He's out, so I better stop thinking about it. Yeah. Is he in on this one? He's in, so I'm yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah. that's my piece of advice that I if don't beat yourself up for struggling. Just change your thought pattern and, and change what you surround yourself with. And you do that, you'll be able to change for the better. That's And trust me, I know I'm, I'm coming from experience because I was career, 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 job, 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 football, 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 and I was able to turn it around. Yeah, that daily renewing of your mind. And, uh, again, don't dwell on the thoughts. The thoughts will come across the spectrum of your mind. Don't dwell on them. Don't take them in. Don't ponder them and all those things. Uh, we'll end the show with an email. You can email the show, Spielman and SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. Zach says, what advice would you give millennial Christians? One thing I notice is that we all feel some sort of pressure to be Billy Graham before we hit 30 or have any substantial experience or deep knowledge of the world would love word. We'd love to hear your advice to us. I mean, I guess I'm struck by the fact that I, I don't think that is a concern of a lot of millennials. Uh, I would applaud you, Zach, in having that uh, heart mindset that you um, want to be evangelical uh, in your 30s. Um, so I would say uh, one of the one of the great resources in my life has been older people who've been through a lot, who've been through things spiritually, life's trials um, that I have not. And uh, try to learn from them. Can learn a lot from. So people what's he who are saying? Yeah, like he needs to go out and preach on the corners, or <clears throat> I don't. I think he just wants to know how he can be more effective for the kingdom of God when he's young and maybe hasn't yeah. experienced some of the things that other people I think have. Just you know, expose who you are and what you believe, and and you're not going to impose it on anybody. And we talk about expose, not impose, all the time because when you start imposing, you start turning people away. I think that you can be an example and understand that um, you can't be afraid to go and take what you believe outside the church parking lot. So if you have a group group, group of friends or whatever and um, they're making poor decisions, I, I think you go in there with a non-judgmental attitude, but hey, think more of an attitude and we'll think about this. How you doing? Is there anything that I can do to help? Uh, or relate your experiences where you have screwed up to them so they feel like they're not being judged and you're coming to them. Then eventually uh, what could happen, and it has happened to me, 
is somebody will ask you, how do I get what you have? Yes. And that comes by living it. You know, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel whenever uh, and if necessary, use words. Yeah. Sometimes you don't, um, and oftentimes you don't need to use words. You can be uh, a part of that circle of guys who are doing stuff, but you don't have to do it. You can be set apart, and your (laughs) lack of doing it will be a powerful witness to them. It's funny. You brought up St. Francis of Assisi. I just did a little independent myself Bible study on not a Bible study, but a study on mm-hmm. St. Francis of Assisi. And interesting how a guy gave up all the wealth that he had. I believe his father was a cloth maker or something, but he was really wealthy. And, and St. Francis of Assisi, also the patron saint of animals, I'm sure you probably I did not that. know that, yeah. no. Uh, gave up everything to, to live and trust that God was going to provide everything that he needed. But I just want to encourage you that, you know, it's, you're not going, this is another mistake that we all make. I've made it. I don't make it anymore because of experience in life. You've made it. Mm-hmm. I know you have, mm-hmm. and you don't do it. Any, you're not changing anybody, dude. Mm-hmm. You're not going to. That is not your job. That's right. That is not what you are required to do. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to say, this is what I have. This is what is available. And, you know, we don't live under a faith of choose this or die, we live under a faith of free will. And so you can choose to believe what you believe or you cannot. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to convict you. I can hold you accountable, but it's not my job to convict you. That's that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's God's job. Expose and not impose, Zach. Keep doing it. Yeah. Plant that seed, but you can't make that seed grow. Just plant it. That's your job. That's uh, a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life Spielman and Hooley podcast. Saturday postgame after Michigan State, Ohio State. Everybody, uh, until then, enjoy your weekend.